It's the show that makes us talk. Why did the block of cheese fail cheese school? No clue why. Because he was graded. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) What about our life? With Chris and Will. OMG. It's another episode of What About Our Life with Chris and Will. Yay. Yes. Hello, everybody. This episode is really great because we're living through our breakthrough life. Yes, breakthrough all of that. Whatever's going on in your life that doesn't serve you, break through it. I promise we haven't been drinking. It's too early for drinking (laughs) right now. We're actually very, very sober at the moment. So uh, best moments in life, yes, is drinking, of course. I'm not saying go get drunk, but yes, going out is is the best moments of life. But other than the best moments of my life, because I can't really think of anything else, what are the best moments of your life, Willie? The best moments of my life is being happy. And I know that sounds really simple, but it is. It's the simple moments in life. For example, when Chris and I go out to eat and I just look at him and I'm in that moment. I'm sharing a moment with him, though we're not saying any words, but the fact that- That's disgusting. You watch me eat. That's disgusting. No, it's not. That is disgusting. No. I'm going to turn around the next time that we go out to eat and put a big old uh, menu in front of him. <laughs> but it's what is- what That's I'm, annoying. What I'm saying is that, I mean, out of anybody in the world that I can just be there and be my authentic, true Do self. Do you watch a cow eat? Because that's what I, comes up in my head, is you sitting there watching a cow eat grass. You can turn any moment into a beautiful thing. Oh, I got to throw up now. Pardon me. He can keep going. But anyway, <laughs> that's why I have to drink. Yes. No, I'm just kidding. So I guess uh, some more great moments when we went to the Grand Canyon. Yes. Of course. And um, our little Pepper that is driving us nuts right now because she won't leave us alone. Yes, of course. Holiday decorating. Now, I love Halloween and Christmas. And we decorate for it every single year. And uh, it gets earlier and earlier and earlier every year. But Willie gets annoyed because I start with the early stuff. Because, you know, Disney will start decorating Halloween in August. So I'll start in August. And he's oh, like, no, yeah. no, you have to wait. So, you know, anyway. Well, but that was because, you know, when we were growing up, it was generally either the month that the holiday was in or a few days. Yes, of course, of course. But we catch up with the times. because That not is back correct. Then, yes. Not back then. Um, friends coming over, our cooking parties, our holiday parties that we've had. When Chris cooks, okay, I'm thinking... However many people are coming over, that's how many cooks for. No. He makes a huge, big pot of whatever he's cooking, most uh, his infamous chili, and he cooks for the masses is I what do. I call I it. I do, and it's all, usually all gone because all the friends eat it up. So I usually don't have none for leftovers. Um, what about visiting to Memphis? Remember we went and seen Graceland? Yes. Of course. Took a lot of tours in Memphis. It was wonderful. Mm-hmm. Our time at working at Disney, of course. Universal Studios, Hollywood. Great mm-hmm. life moments. What about Harry Potter when we started getting into the Harry Potter craze? And yeah. then actually well, having to work and now be associated with the Harry well, Potter wait, craze. Quick, quick, quick story. So he watched the first film, The Sorcerer's Stone. And was it for Christmas or your birthday? I can't recall. But I bought him the book. How many pages did you read of that book? I I don't really really read books. <laughs> but for this show, I have to because some of the 
some of our guests have been submitting us books that they've been writing and I've had to read them. So I guess I have to start getting into it. Yes. yes, Which I've been trying to get him to read a lot more. Yeah. They just, so now he kind of has to, but anyway, what about New York trip? Oh, wow. Yes. Wow. Of course. Our infamous going to the New York trip. Okay. So when we're walking up and down Manhattan, okay, this was, uh, yeah, 2001. And here we are just, we were, gosh, I think you were 21. I was 19, almost 20 at the time. And we're just walking there and it just felt free. I had my little backpack on and I didn't care because I was on a journey, an adventure. I mean, you know, the best moments of your life can be vacations, uh, when we get a new car, when you get a new car, moving into a brand new place, something that's given you a great fresh start we always consider those great life moments because they're memorable yeah yeah you're gonna have good and bad times but there's still memories there's still great memories to have like when we went and seen our first drag show and we went and seen all that we got God, with I was... then uh your first concert to see share yes, yes. in orlando well, yes the first arena concert yes and, and then and that was at a later age for it me. was it was and living in north hollywood we had a big old apartment in north hollywood and we lived right next door to the Academy, the Emmys Association. And uh, we would always have the windows open at night. And so we're watching movies. And the elevator to the apartment building was <laughs> next, was across the hall so you could see it. So when we would be playing Goonies or Beetlejuice in the middle of the night, people that were getting on the elevator would stop, look out the window, and watch it while we were watching it in <laughs> yeah. our apartment. It was actually quite interesting. But yeah, those are great moments that we've had. I'm sure you have some amazing moments for your own self with your family or whatever. But today it's living the breakthrough life. And our special guest that we're going to have on the show today is Rona Bennett. She's currently touring with In Vogue, but she's best known for being on the Jamie Foxx show, uh, the Mickey Mouse Club. Uh, she is a life coach. Yeah. Yes. She's been on Living Single, uh, Emerald Cove. She's had her own single called Satisfied in 2001, which hit number four in the U.S. dance charts. Nice. Yes. So we're going to be excited to be talking with her in just a couple of minutes. So sit back, relax, because Rona Bennett is coming up. Today we have with us an original member of the all-new Mickey Mouse Club, and she was also on the Jamie Foxx show, Miss R&B, Rona Bennett. Hi, Rona. Hey. Hey. (laughs) I so totally love that energy. Yes. Yes. Love the energy. Me too. Yes. (laughs) It's such an honor to... um, to talk with you. You have a, um, I don't know if longevity is the word I'm looking for, but you have a great history in the entertainment industry. So uh, very admiring. And we didn't probably realize that we've watched you for so many years and until it was pointed out, oh my gosh, that's Rona. Oh my mm-hmm. gosh, that's Rona. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so we are very excited. But first, let's talk a little bit about your start. Tell us who Rona Bennett is. Oh, my goodness. Uh, <laughs> let me see if I can answer that in an encapsulated form. <laughs> right. So I'm from Chicago, Illinois. Um, 
I come from two parents who have nothing to do with the fine arts. My dad was a construction worker. My mom was in the worked for United States government for over 42 years. She finally retired. Um, so I do come from two thoroughbreds. I think my dad retired almost close to 40 years. Um, so I had work ethic definitely put in me at an early age just because of who my parents were. But I seem to be the one out of my sister and I to get the bug for entertainment. Um, I remember watching television one day and seeing Whitney Houston on TV. And I was like, I want to do what she's doing. I want to be a singer like Whitney Houston. Wow. But this was, yeah, this was after I probably was in my parents' basement at like seven or eight years old. And I used to perform to the wood paneled walls, uh -huh. <laughs> thinking that that was my imaginary audience. Like I had a very uh, wild imagination and I lived there pretty constantly early on. And I remember, uh, traveling down to Alabama, where my both of my parents are from. And my grandmother, my maternal grandmother, used to take care of foster kids. And, you know, my cousins would come and visit a lot. And so by the end of the summer, I would find a way to put us in a talent show so that my parents could come and see and whoever wanted to come in the family could come and see us do this thing. And it was my grandmother that was like, hey, you guys want to pay attention to Rona? There's something there. Mm -hmm. And so when I went back home, my mother was like, okay, well, do you want to join the ch church choir? Because we really didn't know what to do to get into the fine arts. It's just, you know, so I definitely started singing in church. And then, um, you know, my, uh, my mom and I had the talk driving down the street in our little brown Monte Carlo. I remember this day we were uh, cruising and my mother asked me, what did I want to do? Like, you know, what was my plan A. And you know, she, of course, is big on education. And I told her I wanted to be a singer like Whitney Houston. She was like, well, what's your plan? Your plan? What did she say? I don't even know if she said plan B or something like that, but I never had one. That was it. And so when she saw how serious I was, because I said, what can you do for me? That's when she started to ask around, like, well, what do you do? You know, if your kid wants to get into show business or whatever, like, what do you, where do you go? And we ended up at an a theater on the south side of Chicago, ETA Theater. And that's pretty much where I started as like a background singer in a play. I saw someone acting and was like, what's that? I wanna do more of that. My mother asked yet again for help. And he said, okay, I'm gonna let her understudy the lead for this play. And lo and behold, the young lady was not ready. And I surely was, you know, and I ended up going up and not coming down from that play. And a talent scout ended up coming to one of the shows one day and they said, hey, we want you to come down and, and, and check us out. And that's when we got introduced to what a talent agent was. And I ended up joining that team and that kind of started my career. Wow, that is that is so cool. But really quickly, because you were talking about Whitney Houston, yeah. what song or music video really inspired you or was your dream audience when you were singing uh, to? Yeah. You know what I think I was watching? I think it was You Give Good Love. Isn't she standing up singing at the microphone for that mm -hmm. video in particular? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, I this think so. It was the one that kind of had me marveling, like, I want to do that. Wow. You know? Yeah. But you know what's so interesting? Back in the back in the day, because you're probably around the same age as we are, and Memorying back in the day, MTV was the thing with yep. the music videos, mm -hmm. and that was the inspiration that you got not only from the song, but just by, you know, watching what they they did and because music videos back then, you know, it wasn't all digital stuff. I mean, like they had to come up with creative ways mm -hmm. to tell the story of the song they were singing. Yes, 
Yeah, yes. so it's like a, it's good to hear that uh, some people other than ourselves get inspiration from music videos. So it's very interesting. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess with the talent agency um, and that connection, that kind of led you into knowing about the uh, Mickey Mouse Club, the all new Mickey Mouse Club and joining that lovely um, performance there. So tell us a little bit about that. How did that come across? Well, that was uh, yet another audition that my agent thought I should go out for. And at the time, it was called a cattle call. You know, uh, I guess they were calling kids from all over the country. Whoever wanted to shoot their shot, you know, could come out and, and see what would happen. And so I went to this audition and ended up getting to the final uh, screening, which was out in Los Angeles, where I met some of the Mouseketeers that joined uh-huh. the cast. And... Um, I, 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 the rest is history, I guess. I, I don't even know <laughs> what I was thinking. You know what I do want to say, though? I remember uh, when I was down there, I, I thought, wow, they've got the best kept secret. Because I thought there were so many talented kids. But, for example, in my town, you had to pay for Disney back in the day. It wasn't for yeah, free. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I was like, wow, so many, you know, I don't know how many people get to see them. But I knew something was special about the kids that they were able to pull together even back then. Yes, I agree. I agree. Well, I don't know if you knew or not that uh, we interviewed Lindsay Alley. Um, Girl! Yes! (laughs) She was was so much fun, and she would tell us uh, stories how she would kind of escape the the sound stages and go ride rides. Did you do the same thing? You know, I'm going to be honest with you guys. So much of my experience there is a blur, okay? (laughs) But I do remember having a good time. I do remember what, like, we just came together for MMC 30. I don't know if you got, did you guys go? Did you come to, did you go to MMC 30? We didn't. We, when you guys were doing that, we were actually in uh, LA at the time. So when it happened, we were in LA while you were in Florida. So ironically. Gotcha. Well, when we were in MMC 30, as you can imagine, we were all reminiscing on some things and uh, myself, I want to say Nita, Blaine, Tony, we were all cracking up about how we used to get into the dressing rooms backstage and, and make up songs, but they were so ratchet at the time, you know, <laughs> just the things that we were fine out to, to sing about, but the melodies were so pretty. And, you know, Tony and Blaine are really good guitar players. So we had our own little musicians and everything. Uh-huh. So I, I remember those things in particular, they stuck out for sure. And we still wow. release some of those songs to this day, yeah. So we definitely had good times. Now, you guys are doing uh, some sort of another reunion for, is it during or around D23? It's during uh, and around, if you will, uh, D23. So that's going to be fun, too. So if anybody wants to come out and they weren't able to make it to MMC 30, we would love to see them. That's nice. Yes, yeah. Lindsay invited us out to that, and we are like, I'll have to see. I'll have to see. I haven't scheduled my next plans to be in L.A. It's not until September. And I'm like, eh, I don't, don't want to push it up because then that changes everything in September. But I'd love to actually go with it. You guys should just do a tour. You really should. Mm-hmm. That's actually not a bad idea. And maybe we'll talk to our business guru and Dale uh-huh. <laughs> to see, you know, if, if something like that would, would be possible. So do you still have your uh, your jacket from MMC? You, I don't know. I think my mom said I do. She keeps a lot of my memorabilia. I have like just the 200th episode uh, jacket at my particular house, but I think my mom has the rest of the stuff. 
Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. Do you recall your most memorable moment on MMC? Definitely making the music backstage. Um, I have a few that stick out. Um, I thought it was pretty cool when Jesse Jackson came, uh-huh. you know. Um, definitely love making the, the, the Beverly Hillbillies. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty wacky and fun. Uh-huh. Um, and maybe like, you know, my first... A few of the videos, the video shoots stick out as well. I always loved making the the in the finale videos with all the people in the cast. That was always fun as well. So, so I guess a, a few of them stick out. Did you get to perform any Whitney songs on the show? I can't remember if you did or not. You know, that's a good question. I don't think I did, though. I don't okay. think so. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what was it what was it like coming into the fourth season, right into the fourth season? I know you had to be um, nervous as hell walking in there and say, here, you got all these others that have made this show for three years. And hi, I'm Rona Bennett. What can I contribute to? You know, <laughs> you know, I don't remember exactly how I was feeling, but I do know that uh, a couple things I was working through one of them of course puberty hello <laughs> <laughs> so I wasn't always you know I wasn't the most confident I was very skinny you know and um just kind of coming into whatever I was gonna be at that time so wardrobe was interesting to to kind of get through um I remember doing my very first dance number the Amy Grant song every heartbeat and it was five cameras you know and you had to pay attention to each camera. When that red light came on, you were giving your performance to that camera. And then that light came on, you're giving that, your performance to that camera. So that was that was interesting to do and to learn in that way um, how to perform and be kind of hyper vigilant, you know, of, of what's happening while you're delivering. I will say that it, it felt like, when, especially when I look back on it, a performance art school on steroids. You know, so yeah, yeah. it's definitely <laughs> like a step notch up and you're like, wow, all this stuff is happening and you're intrigued by it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. <laughs> so moving on from growing up uh, from the Mickey Mouse Club to I saw that you did an episode of Living Single. Yeah. Another Thanks. favorite. How was that? That was fun. You know, that was one of the first gigs I got uh, when I moved to Hollywood, if you will. You know what I mean? This is uh-huh. was my transitional period when I felt like if I'm going to make it, I got to go to where the big dogs play. So that was one of the first things that I booked. So that was pretty special for me. Nice. And then you yeah. turned around and became the star, as I say it, for the Jamie Foxx show. Ah! <laughs> 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 that was a cool experience. As, as you know, Jamie Foxx is extremely talented. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very much so. So, um, you guys talking any reboots? No, I haven't ha- heard any talks about that. Would you want to do a reboot? You know, you just planted that seed for the first time and made me think about how other shows are doing that. I, I think it would be a blast. I mean, all uh-huh. of those people that were there, Alex Thomas, Chris Spencer, all have shining careers, you know, since uh, moving on from that show. So I think it would be even more brilliant. I agree, mm-hmm. I agree. So tell us, how how is Jamie? How, how, how What is it like working with Jamie Foxx? Uh, watching Brilliance at work, you know what I mean? He was, uh-huh. um, 
he was very present in the moment. So he would find those spaces for comedic relief. He would find those spaces for just delivering his character. And I think that's what part of what made his show so special. And then he surrounded himself with amazing talent. So of course, when you've got other great talent to bounce off of with your comedic um, brilliance, and then they have room to be who they are, you right. got magic. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. And I never really realized how funny Jamie Foxx was until you went back. And when we, we were going through the history of your story, and then we were re-watching some of the Jamie Foxx uh, episodes, and I'm sitting there going, wow, I... I don't I, I don't remember is it bad to say I don't remember most of this stuff, but I do remember it and I'm like, okay, that's why I liked it because it was funny and I'm like, <laughs> well, I, I yeah, don't, I don't you know, I guess he hasn't done uh, comedic roles recently, I guess and I always see him as that serious um, directive performer, you know, and then seeing him be comedic, it's like, oh, right. remember this guy, right. that's interesting. Mm-hmm. The, the, yeah talented he is that he has kind of seamlessly gone into this other area of dramatic roles and he's great so going back to the jamie fox show and you played nicole evans what did you enjoy most about playing that character on the show you know i would say in hindsight uh i enjoy that i was able to explore both aspects or two aspects of what i do which is singing and acting Um, I got to be a bit more well-rounded in my approach to the character. And I also, yeah, and so that kind of lended itself to more authenticity Mm -hmm. in what I was able to convey. So, yeah. Girl was sassy in that character. (laughs) (laughs) I try, I try. Oh, you did a wonderful job with it. That's that's probably why we go go around being sassy as can be. And people are like, why are you trying to be sassy? Because that's who I am. Yes. Yes. (laughs) It's like, they're like, you're not sassy. It's like, well, then you just don't know me very well, do you? (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, you're very well-rounded. And then you went Mm -hmm. from these great shows and then you jumped on into um, your own music. You started a solo career with uh, your hit song, Satisfied. How did that come across? Uh, How did it come across or come about? Come about, either one. Okay, that was with Rodney Jerkins, who at the time was doing exceptionally well. I mean, he's still, of course, um, you know, still doing well. But at that time was, I, I feel like being considered a prodigy and was working with uh, some of the best in the business. And I remember um, at the time I was, I I write songs as well. And Uh there was this one ballad that I wrote and who knows about ballads anymore, right? Right. Ballad that I wrote and it was one of my favorite songs I'd ever written. But if I was gonna give it to anybody, of course, the only person I could think of was Miss Whitney Houston. And my management at the time was like, I think you should go and sing this. I mean, uh, let Rodney check this song out to see if it can go on Whitney's album. It was her My Love Is Your Love era of music. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. And so uh, we went down to the studio and Rodney came out into the lobby and we met. And he's like, OK, so sing me the song. And I'm like, right here. <laughs> so I had to uh, shed some some fear in that moment and and sing this ballad for him. And later that day, he gave my manager a call, if I recall correctly. And he says, you know, we uh, aren't going to take the song for Whitney, but we do want to sign Rona to his label. Yeah. So that I became the first lady of Dark Child. 
at that time. And uh, that's when I started to record my album. It was a subsidiary of Sony, and that's what they chose as a first single. Oh, nice. Yeah. That song hit number four on the dance charts, I believe. Yes. I think so. Yep. So with that, how did uh, Info come across? Because now you're performing with the legendary Funky Divas themselves. So how did that start? You know, um, okay, so you would you would appreciate this. Ricky Luna, who was also a Mouseketeer, uh-huh. uh, was, it, this was in the sprouting producer days. As you know, we, Ricky has done exceptionally well uh-huh. uh, producing music. And he was working with another gentleman and he needed somebody to come in and sing a demo that they were doing. And so he hit me up and he was like, Ro, can you come down and do this for me? I said, okay. And so after we finished the session, the gentleman that he was working with said, hey, I don't know if you would be interested in something like this, but you know, and Vogue is looking for another member. Uh, I could introduce you basically to Denzel Foster, who was one of the founders of the group. And uh-huh. at the time, I wasn't thinking about joining a group. I always thought of myself as a solo artist, but uh-huh. um, I decided to meet with him anyway. And I ended up showing him some of my solo record that I did with Rodney, some of the things that I'd written as a songwriter. And they he decided to fly me up to the Bay Area to meet with Cindy and Terry. And it was like, that was it. We, we clicked and it felt like the right thing to do. And so we moved forward and here we are, you know, so many years later. Well, you guys, just by listening to your voice, you guys seem to have a connective personality because we've met Cindy and Terry before and um, you guys seem so compatible, if that's the word I'm looking for. Yeah, I, mean, I would agree with that. Yes. I, I One thing when we, we met with um, Cindy and Terry, I told Terry... I, I was talking to her about her um, selfies that you guys do before you go to some of the shows. <laughs> yeah. And I, I was laughing at her. I said, I go, yeah, you do the selfie and then there's Cindy and then there's Rona and they're just like, okay, yeah, sure. Let's do this and get it over with, you know? So it, it was also funny with it, but, um, but yeah, your you guys' personality is like so compatible. And even in your voice, you, you almost sound like that, um, you three could be sisters in a way, you know, it's so connective. So it's a good thing. Yeah. Thank you. You're very, very welcome. So how did that feel when you started working with them? I mean, I like with us, I mean, you were growing up with that group whenever they started um, and you were just now going into the Mickey Mouse club and here now you're working with this group from the early nineties. Yeah, that is interesting. Um, that just kind of speaks to the the uncanny things that can happen in life, right? Like it's just, right. no. Uh, I remember being 13 years old in Washington Park in Chicago and seeing them in when they were doing like probably a promotional tour and Hold right. On was hot. And um, never really thinking about it even being a possibility to... Uh-huh. For that to be in my future, to be a part of the group that I'm watching right now, you know? Right. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's very interesting. I was even trying to think about, you know, had I ever held a vision? Because I do believe in being able to um, create via visualization or speaking things into existence, so to speak. And I was like, I wonder if I've ever held a vision for being in a group. But maybe it was just the vision that I had overall. Uh, for uh-huh. where I saw myself as an artist, and this was the way that the Most High thought I would get it done, you know? Right, right. Yeah. 
Now, do you see yourself uh, going back into your solo career later on in the future? I feel, I, I don't know. I feel like they definitely could be complimentary. I do want to do more music, but almost to incorporate the inspirational side of my career as well, you know, because I'm, I'm a personal power life coach too. So right. do music that kind of is in, in alignment with, with merging the two, but definitely cutting edge creativity, you know? Right, right. Yes. Let's talk about that a little bit. I'm glad you brought that up. So tell, explain to me, what is a life coach? I would say that a life coach is someone who can help you with making decisions, new choices or refreshed choices that put you on track for a better, uh, for better living, uh, whatever that is for each individual. Helps you uh, to plan and to manifest dreams and to get to the goals that you have for yourself in life, depending on the strength of the coach. Wow. Yeah. That is, wow. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. <laughs> so how did you start going into uh, wanting to be a life coach first and then actually going forward with that? Well, I'll first say that for whatever reason, uh, before I started to do it, people would tell me that I kind of had a knack for giving good advice, whether it was to a friend or a family member or even a stranger, uh, I would get that kind of feedback. And so I remember uh, thinking, you know what, maybe one day I'll become a life coach, you know, but not until I hit what I would consider a roadblock in my career and just in my life in general, uh, did I take it seriously and decide to put some structure behind it? Because uh, I didn't know what was going to happen with my entertainment career moving uh -huh. forward. This was when the music industry and, and just the fine arts industry overall was going through a major change, right? Uh, right. Digital pirating was happening. People's music was getting quote unquote stolen. The way that we made our money was shifting so rapidly and so, mm -hmm. you know, it was like such a change. Uh, the, the huge record companies were laying people off left and right, downsizing, uh, coming together, becoming big, you know, uh, monopolizing right. companies instead of these small individualized uh, groups. Mm -hmm. You know, A-list actors were going to television, the small screen. You know, remember everything that's right. mm -hmm. yeah. yep. going on. And there were a lot of people that left the industry around that time because they didn't know how to adapt, how oh. to adjust to what was happening, which is completely understandable. I mean, you really had to just kind of keep a glimmer of your dream still going uh, while you figured out how to either recreate your career to uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Well, you reinvent yourself, so to speak. Right. And um, I I knew that at that time it was a very scary time, but I was like, I refuse to be unhappy. So how else can I be of service? Like, what else am I going to do with my life to where I feel like I'm making a contribution? I'm happy with the contribution I'm making and I can grow and flourish in it. And that made me go back to that dream of being a coach. And that's been a walk in itself, you know. Now, do you find it to be hard um, to be considered a celebrity and then doing something uh, like being a life coach? Because I'm sure you get requests all the time that may not be legitimate requests in a sense, but just requests for people that are just wanting to get to Rona Bennett and not get to Rona Bennett life coach. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I'm going to say that I would like to think my discernment has been refined enough at this point to kind of weed out the majority of people that might be that way. 
uh, based on what I present that I do and what I'm looking for in the people that I help. Um, if you're really about the work, I'll know it. If you're really not, I'll know that too. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very interesting. Very, very yeah. interesting. So, of course, you know, when I reached out to you a little bit and we started discussing a little bit about um, Willie and Willie, unfortunately, suffers with a little bit of PTSD. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. and I was very interested in um, your coaching. And in fact, I, I really never knew that you did that until I went to your website because I was going to invite you to the podcast to talk about the Mickey Mouse Club. And then I started exploring more about who you were. Mm -hmm. And so when we started going through all these different sessions and looking at your package stuff, what, what could not only with Willie, but with anybody, what, what, what can a person expect when they sign up for a session and, um, you know, they do that one-on-one work with you, what could they expect and what do you hope that they get out of it? That's a good question. Um, It depends on who they are and what they want. I try to be flexible for the person that's in front of me because everybody's goal is different. Everybody's view of success looks different. Uh, You know, the backgrounds that we come from, the layers that we come from, the experiences that we have changes how we see life, how we respond to it and what we want from it. And so I try to get clear about what they want. And then I get honest about what I think I can help to deliver based on what they want. And then we work on that. So I would love for people to walk away empowered, to feel like they have life tools that they can take with them forever that they can use, uh, that they can practice in every area of their life to create more prosperity and more real joy. Wow. Wow, that just, I'm glowing right now because what you're saying is enlightening to me. That, that's beautiful. That's incredible. Well, the videos that you do on YouTube, or I don't know if you still do them, but um, I looked back at some of your videos with it and I'm sitting there listening to it and I'm going, okay, that's a... That's a great perspective. That's a great way to yeah. go through because some of it, I think, was you telling people how to go through their mornings or go through mm-hmm. their day. These kind mm-hmm. of step by step processes. I think one of them was morning talks with Ro. Is that yeah, correct? Weekly. Yeah. Where I, I chop it up and basically give free coaching weekly. But it's really just a group discussion and we all get to grow, connect and heal together. Wow. Very wow. interesting. So do you ever get any. Um, feedback from that, some inspiring stories from people that actually just watched your YouTube stuff and never really reached out to you and how you've helped them? I do. And that's what kind of keeps me going. It keeps gas in my tank. This is some of the most rewarding work I've ever done. Uh, To know that something I said or uh, something that I've suggested or whatever they may have experienced with me created enough breakthrough that it, it broke a stronghold off of their life and they achieve something that either they didn't know they could do or they've always wanted to do or they finally have the courage to do is empowering for me. Doing what you're doing is inspiring in a sense. And it's yes. only you only wish that more people can get more connected to you. So then that way you can preach to the world and change the judgment that we have in, in this world right now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, start to get people to realize that, you know, you don't want to say that our life is is on a timer, but our life in some sense is on a timer and we just don't know when it's done, you know, True. and you have to be grateful. And that, and 
So I commend you for the work because life coaching is definitely something we need need in today's age, you know. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for that. Yes. Yeah, you're welcome. you're welcome. And talking about life coaching, I saw that your online course that you offer is called Bean Bacon. Yes. How did you come up with that name? <laughs> you know what? I was reading this book years ago by this guy named Walter Haley. It's called Breaking the No Barrier. And it's basically a book about getting through all the no's until you get to your yes. So getting through rejection, right? In business mostly, but I mean, we could apply that to life, right? Right. And so he says that he used to live on this quaint farm with his family. And uh, when he was younger, he went to breakfast and his dad decided to teach him about commitment while they were at breakfast. And so he said, son, you know, the chicken made a contribution to this breakfast. And he was basically speaking about how, hey, we got a chicken coop out back. Whenever we need more eggs, all we got to do is go back there and get more eggs, cook them up and we're good. Right. He says, but the pig, the pig made a commitment. And he said, because once a pig becomes bacon, and this is me talking, ain't no turning back from being bacon, right? Uh The pig has to make the ultimate sacrifice in order to become the result of bacon. It has Uh to lay down its life. So when I thought about that, I was like, whoa, that is deep to speak about commitment, because that means that you don't stop doing what you need to do or becoming who you need to become until you see the results that you set out to get. Be bacon. Whoa. Yeah. Wow. So where it came from. <laughs> so 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 when does your new book come out? <laughs> I know, right? So I am currently writing a book with my partner that lives in Amsterdam, Bindu Duknak. Hey girl, if she hears this, she is an intellectual property attorney as well as a musician. Oh and wow. course, as you know, I am a personal power life coach as well as an artist. And so we decided to talk about put a book together that's basically a music industry mentor, but it's a holistic approach to success. So we cover things from the the business aspect as well as the personal aspect so that you can thrive in all areas. And that book is going to be coming out in 2020. Oh, nice. What well, a fusion of, of elements. And that's yeah. a great blend. Yes. Yeah, we're you're, excited you're, about it. You're going to have to text me when it comes out. I'm going to mm-hmm. be the first to purchase it. You know that. Thank you. Thank you. And if anybody wants to check out, you know, us in the meantime, and they need support uh, from a musician standpoint, the industry, and then just overall, because, you know, I'm always speaking from a coach's standpoint. Our podcast is called Music Wise. Music Wise. Okay. Okay. And where can they find Music Wise? Is it on the regular podcast players? No, we usually put it up on our SoundCloud. We're probably going to expand our platform soon because we're getting ready to put up some new episodes. So it, uh, if they come and visit me at my Insta- um, yeah, my social media handles overall, I'll be giving up the information. But currently it's on our SoundCloud. Oh, okay. Very nice. Very yeah. nice. Mm-hmm. Do you find that life coaching is your, your calling in life, you would say? I would say that, yes. How do you believe that one person finds their calling in life? You know, the only reason I feel like I can remotely say something halfway uh, understandable about this at this moment is because I just did a video about the g- difference between a gift and a calling. Uh, wow. Well, yes. that just that was for me, that was a complete moment right there, because those are two totally, I mean, different but similar things at the same time. So 
That was amazing. Yes. I didn't mean to interrupt, but that, yeah, it was a moment. <laughs> nope, that's totally okay. You know, I'm doing something called 90 Words to Your Breakthrough on my social media handle. So if anybody wants to check that out, I'm on day 72 uh, right now. Um, but one of the videos recently done was a, it's called Calling. And um, the difference between a gift and a calling, I'm starting to understand, is that with a gift, it's something that we're kind of charismatic with, right? It may be that thing that makes us a bit magnetic to other people. It's maybe something that's naturally been put in you as a talent that you can express. A calling can be something that is connected to your purpose. So if your gift is connected to your passion, your calling can be connected to your purpose and your purpose can come through your passion. Your passion can make way for your purpose to be heard. So my gift has been kind of the magnet right? For people to at least know that I'm, I'm around, I'm here, I'm a singer, you know, actress, whatever. But then now I can deliver something that serves other people, something greater than myself through my calling. Right. Wow. So yeah, I think that, and it's, and the calling is something that maybe you got to work on. It's something that's got to be developed in you. Um, but it's something that you're still uh, probably good at, or that is a natural urge in you to share, but maybe it's something you're working on and it's not necessarily um, the same as the gift, which is that passionate, charismatic thing, but it's definitely connected to purpose and serves something greater than yourself, serves a greater good. Wow. Yeah. Very deep, very, very, yes. very deep. So what do you, th if I was gonna ask this, what great discovery do you think people should find in their life? Who they really are outside of uh, someone else's approval or what they think other people want them to be. Wow. Yeah, that's probably the biggest thing because I think a lot of depression stems from that. Mm -hmm. uh, I think a lot of comparison stems from that. And so it makes people feel inadequate. And a lot of decisions that people make because they don't know who they are, because they're not in touch with their real likes and dislikes, goods and bads and whatever you whatever labels and judgments we have, you end up making decisions that aren't rooted in your authenticity. And so you're never really quite on track. You never really quite feel happy. Maybe right. you know what I mean? So getting to who you really are and then making choices from that space can be very empowering. So do you believe when people because people would tell us all the time uh, when we first started working in the industry and I know a colleague of ours she had said, you know, no offense or anything, but um, you have a conscience. You need to get rid of that conscience to work in this yeah. industry. So, <laughs> you know, in a sense, it's true because you can if you don't, you can take things personal and it destroys you because this business is so about I don't want to say it's a business that's individualized, but it is a business that's individualized because you're a product in this business. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, so in, in theory, it, it kind of has a lot of truth in it. How do you balance yourself with what you teach to others, what you know, and then um, how you go about in the business that you're in? Because, I mean, you work around, you know, you work around a lot of differences, a lot of dramatic stuff, a lot of things that are constantly changing, opinions, everything. I mean, you're, you're almost, I don't want to say caught in the middle, but you, you're in in that spot that sometimes you don't feel comfortable with. So how do you balance yourself with that? Wow, that's a loaded question. Yeah, um, <laughs> it is. <laughs> I do a few things. Uh, definitely, you know, morning routine for me, how I start my day, 
uh, keeping me on track with the things that are important to me, being in an attitude of gratitude, which is a high vibrational space to be in and to create from and to respond to life from, um, you know, meditation, um, keeping the vision for what I choose for my life, practicing the things, the life tools that I've picked up over time. So for example, you mentioned something like taking things personally. There's an incredible book out there by a guy named Don Miguel Ruiz. It's called The Four Agreements. Have you guys heard of that? No. Okay. I haven't heard of that particular one, but I think something similar to it. Yeah, the mastery of love, or or you sent something similar to bo- the four agreements. The four agreements. Okay, the four agreements is what I would say is an amazing book because one of the agreements spells out the why behind not taking something personally, and when you get this perspective in you, I think, and then when you practice it, because it's one thing to take in the knowledge; it's another thing to apply it. Right? Then it becomes right. wisdom. Then it becomes a real life tool that you can take with you forever. Um, not taking things personally because one, you don't know the layers with which someone else has come through life. A lot of the things that people are responding to or reacting to you in life has nothing to do with you really, right? Uh, Who knows what their perspective was before they met you? Who knows what hurt they are coming through that they never expressed that they could be kind of putting off on you because hurt people hurt people. Right. Right. So uh, when you start to consider it from a more broad perspective, then you're like, you know what? Who knows what they're coming from? You'll you'll start to entertain different questions or different uh, ways of looking at it that make you say, you know, I'm not going to take that personally. I'm going to choose to allow you to be right where you are as you are. I'm going to take the judgment off of it. I'm not going to make it right or wrong, good or bad. I'm just going to say it is what it is and move on. Wow. Yes, this is a practice, though. This is something that, you know, I I teach my students and we practice it. Sometimes it's field assignments. I'll send them out there and I say, okay, practice this this week and come back and tell me what the experience was. And it's a very powerful revelation because you realize how much in control you are of your emotional state of being. If you just practice that one agreement and there's three other ones that are amazing as well. So I highly recommend the book. Oh, we'll have to. Look into it. Willie hates that catchphrase. I use that all the time. He says that a lot. It It is is what it is. is. (laughs) But it's so true. I know it. I know it. But when it comes from a space um, of, of, of wisdom, I think you could respect and appreciate it differently. It, yeah, not to say that when you say it, it's not, but just when you, when it comes from that more expansive understanding of it actually really is what it is. And I get to choose what this is going to mean to me. Yes. Wow. Okay. Because with me, I've observed many times over the years, um, I can get quite emotional. And what that means is fluctuating like um, like I can sense other people, uh, what is it called, empathy, to where yeah. like you can feel other people. Um, so sometimes, sometimes that, uh, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is, but like too much of it comes in and then it starts becoming overwhelming. So when you were just talking about how, you know, take it for it is what it is and take it for what I want to take it for or however each person wants to take it for, Mm -hmm. that is empowering. Like in that moment, I, wow, amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I'm telling you, man, just a tweak in perspective, Willie, can be life changing. Mm -hmm. That's why I think this work is so powerful because sometimes just a tweak in our perspective can change everything 
Yeah. Well, I don't, I don't want to say that how true that is, but just look at our current world in the last few years, just a, a tweak in how things were to how things are. And it just amazes me so much about how different things are and not different in a necessarily great way, but not different in necessarily in a bad way, but different in saying, wow, we could have done it a different way. <laughs> yes. You know? Yes. That is very deep. You've got some talent. Yes, in you, yes. Too. I, think, <laughs> I think that's the one thing I like about our shows is, you know, the one thing we tell everyone when we start, which we forgot to tell you. So we're telling you now, um, <laughs> our podcast, we like them to be like a phone conversation because you don't really know how people are in the industry until we start talking like we're talking on the phone. Mm-hmm. And and so people start to become very inspired. One of the episodes we did was with Alan Gilmore, and he was the art director behind all the Harry Potter exhibits. Mm. And, and well, for um, some of the films, too. And for some of the films. And we were intrigued with some of the stuff that he was sharing with us. And we've known Alan for a while because we, we worked with him on the exhibits. And everybody just kept coming back to us and said, oh, it was so much fun. These, these podcasts are really a lot of fun because – we're starting to see the real side of what Hollywood is and you know what you guys really contribute instead of what's put out there. So I appreciate you having this discussion because yes. again, I would have never known about this through Rona Bennett unless I seen it. And now we're having this conversation. It's like, uh, okay, well, you know, Rona's just been like this forever. I could have just, <laughs> you know, done this years ago. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I appreciate you guys. Thank you. Oh, you very oh, you're welcome. welcome. Yes. So, Let's let's talk a little bit uh, about the title Miss R and Bean. How did you get that title? You know, believe it or not, I was on a uh, a play years ago with Richard Roundtree. He used to be uh, the original Shaft, and I guess he's on Mary Jane. Uh, what uh-huh. is it? with uh, Gabrielle Union? Yes. Um, he and I used to. He he and I have a great rapport, and so he was like R and B because that's my initials. You know, some people think uh, oh, it's from oh, like, wow. I, yeah. people call me R&B, R&B, and I'll go R&R, what up, you know? And so <laughs> I just threw a miss in front of it and and people thought that it was, it came from the music, but it just so happened that, you know, it was complimentary because it's my initials, Rona Bennett. Wow. Yeah. Well, you know what? You could have just, you could have just said, well, I... I went for Miss State and this beauty pageant and I won and I became one because I would have totally thought you were a queen. Um, <laughs> you know, I would because you look gorgeous. You do. Yeah. And, um, you know, you have that personality and you have that figure. And so we're just going to say you just pick a state and say, you know, you were Miss <laughs> something, something back in the day. And, you know, if okay. people can't find it. Just say that that's when the Internet crashed. I don't know. <laughs> tweak, tweak, right. OK. Got yeah. It. Got it. so going back a little further in i went and wrote read some more in your website and it mentioned something about uh the oprah show the one the women of brewster place yes tell me about that because i know that had to be your most inspiring project it came from oprah winfrey so um tell me tell me a little bit about that that was actually my first big break uh, on television, Oprah Winfrey's show. I remember uh, that was one of the first 
major, if no, that was the first major audition I had gone on and I went through the whole process. So you know how they have, I don't know if you guys are familiar or your audience is familiar, uh, that you can go through several audition processes before you get to something called the screen test. And that's basically, okay. So that's basically when, you know, they, they, they have people, they, they really feel could fulfill the position of the role, but now we got to see who looks good together. You know what I mean? It could Uh come down to something like that. And, um, I went to the screen test and I was there with a, another young lady named Delion Richards, who was another great talent out of Chicago. And Delion ended up actually getting the role that I went out for, right? And so I remember getting the phone call of me and my mom and we were listening. This is in the days of the answering machine. Yes, <laughs> uh-huh, with the recorded tapes, yes. So we would hit the play button and we're like, okay, we got, we're waiting for this answer. And they let us know that I didn't get it. And I can remember the first real letdown of believing that I could have something, right? But it didn't come through. But lo and behold, maybe about a week later, we got a call from the production and they said, we created a role for Rona. She is this young lady's best friend. So that was the, in hindsight, that was my first experience with how the universe will make room for you. When you really, really believe something, Uh, sometimes the universe will just conspire on behalf of your good and make room for you because there was no no role there. Uh, so what you really did was it was so impactful that you didn't fit what they had already created, but because you attended that screen test, they're like, we got to have her. And they made something for you. Yeah, maybe, man. I was like, wow, okay. Something else, you know, came from it. So that was my first big break. With, did you uh, meet Oprah? I did. Yeah. Yeah. How's that? She was nice. You know, she was, uh, it was interesting, of course, to um, meet her. I, I, that I am a little bit, uh, that's something I do kind of remember the feeling. I don't know if I could describe it, to be honest with uh-huh. you. I just remember the feeling that I had when I saw her the first time. And I was like, wow, this is really interesting. Like, this is the lady, you know, that she was on. I think she was still doing the Oprah Winfrey show at the time or whatever. Uh-huh. Um, so she was a big star, but um, she still and she done color purple. You know what I mean? So right. she really done uh, a lot of cool things. And it was just a uh, surreal feeling to meet her and work on her set and just be around all of those things that I, I guess you you dream about or think about but now you actually see wow yeah so other than oprah is there any memory of a person that you've met that you've always wanted to meet yes and who is that <laughs> <laughs> so i'm gonna see if i can create suspense with how i tell this i, I don't know if i'm the best storyteller but let's see <laughs> so i'm on the jamie fox show right yeah and um well, I guess I, I'm going to ruin the suspense. Anyway, so <laughs> <laughs> I'm on a Jamie Foxx show and I get down to the, to the set one day and one of the writers, I think it was, came up to me and was like, hey, man, Whitney Houston's coming up here to meet you. And I was like, what? Yeah, right. I really did not believe. You know, I'm like, OK, whatever. That was cute. That's fun. And so as the day progressed, it was there started to become more and more people, it seemed uh, more crowded. You know what I mean? Just kind of more people milling about. And uh, I remember going to lunch and coming back and seeing Whitney Houston plus eight on the sheet that they had written where they admit the guests for the day. So I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. Uh This is 
possibly becoming a real thing. And uh, lo and behold, uh, I was in my dressing room and Whitney and Bobby came in to meet me. Oh, wow. and, and then from, you know, she stuck around. This was on the same day that Method Man and Red Man were on the episode. And, mm-hmm. you know, it was a fun uh, shoot day. And then Jamie used to do this um, this karaoke night back in uh, in Hollywood. It was I think it was, at the time it was called Miyagi's. And it was uh-huh. a very popular karaoke night. People would come out. But this was before cell phones had, you know, cameras and recording. Right. Yeah. You know, we were just there and it was a packed night and Whitney decided to come out that night uh, with her crew. And um, Jamie got me up there to sing. And I normally, believe it or not, I don't really like to sing unless I'm kind of weird about it. You know, Uh this particular night they got me up there to sing. So I was able to sing in front of my childhood idol. She was partying in the corner. It was just one of the best nights ever. And I remember she got up and sang, I will always love you. Bobby got up to be cruel and everybody had their cell phones in the air and you could only really call somebody and say, hey, man, this is <laughs> if you want to check it out, listen in. But no, you know, we didn't have recorders there or anything like that. So wow. it was a pretty, yeah, pretty special uh, night. And I did get an opportunity to to meet someone that I truly admired. So when she walked in the door, did you scream? I didn't, but I was shocked. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did that. Oh, I did that. I usually don't get starstruck because, you know, being in this industry, it's you see them, you, you see everybody as normal people. And we went out, Willie and I were in L.A. and we went to um, the Abbey, the club, the Abbey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, we were there one night and there was a drag show going on and they used to have fireplaces there. I don't think they still do anymore, but we sat around the fireplace and the drag show was going on and me and Willie were just sitting there and then this woman got up and she started singing. I'm like, wow, that, that drag queen's really good. She sounds like <laughs> Anastasia. And then, then, then I turned around and looked at it and I, I literally jumped up 10 miles ahead and said, Oh my God, that is Anastasia. I'd never seen them that excited before about <laughs> anybody. It was hilarious. How and he, cute. And Willie went up to her and said, will you please talk to him? Because he's a really big, because I love Anastasia. And I don't know if you, you know who Anna is. Yes, don't you? very talented. Yes. Huge. In yes. Europe. See, Chris yes. is the type of person to where he'll, you know, he's, uh, he, he can go up to anybody and start talking to them. But in that moment, I had not seen him just completely like still just like he couldn't speak. And I'm like, I'll go up and I'll go say something. Yeah, she came up to me and I'm like, hi. <laughs> I'm like, you know, you don't want to be that person that says, do you know who you are? <laughs> I love it. Yeah, so it's like, so I get the feeling when you're, you know, you're around these these ones that you you really admire and you, you want to meet them and then they show up and you're like, you guys could have just warned me or something. I could have just... <laughs> You know, controlled myself, but you wanted me to look like an idiot. <laughs> Hi, I'm me. Hi, I'm, yeah. I'm over here. You know. <laughs> so, is there anybody that you wish that you could work with? Yes, and uh, even Terry and Cindy feel this way. Elder Barge, believe oh, it or not. Okay. I love his sound. I love the sound of DeBarge. I think he's an incredible songwriter. His melodies are amazing. Just uh, so many um, beautiful memories uh, when his music and DeBarge's music comes on. Um, it, it will bring me joy to collab with him. Wow. 
Yeah. That would be a really good uh, collaboration. Yeah, man. So what advice would you give to kids today that want to go after dreams like you did? You know, I would say there's a few things. Uh, One of them is to continue to hone your craft, you know, keep developing your skill. Um, Get out there and do the work. Go to the community uh, theater house. you know, keep writing if you're a writer, keep creating if you're a creator. You know, the more you create, the more comfortable you can get, the more you might stretch in your ability to create. And then use this resource that we all have that a lot of people don't use. Ask for help. That is how my career pretty much got started. I mean, my parents, like I said, were from different, you know, a totally different career, end of the career spectrum. So we had to ask, you know, well, how do we get started? And then you can get connected to the person that's next to the person that's next to the person that's next to the thing that's next to the opportunity that can open a door. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's very truthful. Yes. I don't think we would be in the position that we are in now if it hadn't been for us asking assistance and help. Right. Or not. Right. How we got started, we called Willie and I wanted to get into the entertainment industry, so we found a number. We <laughs> called an NBC executive. Yes. And they actually picked up the phone. We got past the, the secretary, believe it or not, and we asked her. We go, okay, what do we need to do to get into this business? And she actually sat there and had a thirty-minute conversation with us. Beautiful. It was, yeah. Yeah. It, it was inspiring. So yeah, I do agree with that. So is there anything that you wish? that you haven't done that would complete you? Ooh, huh. Wow. Uh, <laughs> that's, a good, that's an interesting question. It is. Probably, Chris has a lot of interesting questions. Yes, I know he does. this is great. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, right now, maybe family, uh, not in a sense of needing to be a biological parent or something like that, but but I think that I'm in I'm, marriage, you know, uh-huh. uh, would be fulfilling with the right partner. Right. Um, and to continue to build in this area, shoot, just to continue building in the areas of my career. I feel like I, I'm, I'm lucky enough to be doing things that, that bring me real joy. So to just keep building in that way and also to build my family, continue to build with my family. That's very nice. Well, one day I, I picture you walking away with that Grammy. Yes. Hey, Al, thank you for the vision. Yes, yes, of course, of course. We all have to have those vision of those awards because if we don't, they don't come true, you know? Hello. Yes. So, wow. Well, Rona, um, it has been an ultimate pleasure. Yes. We have really enjoyed this conversation. I'm so glad you decided to come on the show. And for all our listeners out there, you can check out Rona's uh, coaching sessions, which I highly encourage because Willie is going to be doing them. Yes. At uh, RonaBennett.com. Now, Bennett is two N's and two T's. Spell it, Willie. RonaBennett.com. R H O N A B E N N E T T. Now, Rona, we know you were actually going through it as he was doing it letter by letter to make sure he spelled it right, right? (laughs) You did great. Thank you. (laughs) Well, Rona, good luck with everything. And we are we're so totally going to be in touch again. And I'm so happy with everything that's going on with you with In Vogue to hopefully uh, more television, uh, maybe even movies and and your life coaching, most definitely. So we're, we're really looking forward to more Rona, of course. 
Oh, I appreciate you guys. This has been such a fun phone call. All the best to you moving forward with your podcast and being connected to people um, who are trailblazers and who are doing some really special things in different areas of life. Thanks again for your beautiful support over the years. And I look forward to staying connected. Oh, I am totally loving me some Rona right now. Of course. Rona Bennett is amazing. Yes. Yes. Willie's actually going to be doing some coaching with her to work on some stuff that he needs to work on in his life. This is so amazing to me because this is a life changer. Absolutely. And you can follow Rona on Instagram at official Miss R&B. And she does 90 words for your breakthrough. Correct. And it's it's different types of words to help you get through your day. So you might want to check that out. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can go get her coaching classes at RonaBennett.com. And you can find out all the exciting stuff that's going on with Rona right now, too. So go to RonaBennett.com. Go to at official Miss R&B on Instagram. And, uh, you know, for the meantime, gosh, thank you so much for joining us. We love you guys. We will always love you guys. Next week, we got another episode with another great guest and another great topic. Mm -hmm. We love you guys. Remember to love yourself because the world will love you in return. Absolutely. All right. Thank you so much. We love you. We love you. We love you. But for now, we got to go. Thanks, Rona. Thanks, you guys. Bye. Bye.